It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Coburn with a second of two. It's up and it's good. Two clean free throws by Coburn. 80-75. Inbound to Bohannon. They let him shoot it from 30 feet. He missed it. And for the second year in a row, the Illini have defeated the Hawkeyes in Champaign in a flail of a ball game. This time it's Illinois 80. The Hawkeyes 75. Victory Illinois over the seventh-ranked team in the country as they knock off the Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, 356-9397 is the phone number. We've got an open line off the top if you'd like to jump in. Illini basketball coach Brad Underwood will join us about 915. We've got some other guests scheduled as well. After number 19, Illinois beat number 7, Iowa, 80-75. to at the State Farm Center, the biggest crowd of the year at the State Farm Center, 190 people <laughs> were there. hit 200 for the years over. That'd be nice. It, it, it's a shame. That I don't think anybody brings more media, though, than Iowa. Probably not. Probably not. And uh, it's a shame, though, that uh, there weren't 15,000-plus on hand last night because it was the perfect uh, night for that, perfect night for a, a Big Ten basketball game, a top uh, 20 matchup, and Illinois knocking off a top 10 team, and Played a solid game start to finish, Lauren. You really did. <clears throat> and as you look back at it, it's some amazing uh, stats. Of course, I think Fraser coming alive meant more than anything. I mean, he, uh, you know, they were, Illinois at, at some points in December uh, and January, Steve, they were almost a two-man team, uh, DeSumo and Kofi. But I thought that uh, Fraser was a, a difference maker in this game. And then the other uh, Unusual thing is that uh, Iowa did not shoot a free throw in the last 15:30, 15 minutes and 30 seconds, which I'm sure Fran McCaffrey would have reasons for. He got cheated. Well, he was a little grumpy after the game. <laughs> was he grumpy? <laughs> so when, when you answer in one, two, and three word uh, answers, uh, that uh, defines you as grumpy, I think. But uh, it was a good college basketball game. We we talked it was about the best that game of the year. Here. Yeah, and at halftime. But, Illinois was ahead by a couple, and it was just a, an entertaining game to watch and certainly went down to the wire. Kofi missed the foul shot uh, and then uh, made two after that. He hustled and got his rebound. and uh, So that put uh, puts Illinois tied with Wisconsin for second place, a half a game ahead of Iowa now behind Michigan in the uh, Big Ten race. Idle Michigan. <laughs> yeah, they're sitting on one loss and not playing. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number if you want to comment on the game last night. If you uh, stayed up for it and uh, didn't feel like uh, talking on the post-game show and you want to do it this morning, we'd be happy to uh, hear from you. As I mentioned, Brad Underwood will join us in a few minutes. Jeremy Werner from 24-7 Sports, Illini Inquirer, will check in with us at 9.30. Then coming up at uh, 10 o'clock, Matt Daniels, News Gazette Sports Editor, will 
be with us. Kevin Kugler, who called the game last night for Fox Sports, and he also works on uh, BTN games, will be with us. And at 10.30, former Illini basketball standout Corey Bradford will check in with us. He's, I think, done playing basketball overseas now after 20 years. He's babysitting, mostly. (laughs) Yep, we'll uh, catch up with Corey Bradford. In the meantime, the line is open at 10.45. We'll have uh, the pregame show for Illinois Volleyball. Illinois and number one Wisconsin at 11 o'clock. If you missed uh, the scores yesterday, Wisconsin beat the uh, Fighting Illini 25-20, 30-28, and 25-9. And uh, Wisconsin improves to a three and zero on the uh, season, and Illinois drops to two and one. Those two teams going at it again today. Wrestling tomorrow, number nine Illinois at number one Iowa. So a lot going on there, and a big trade in Major League Baseball that uh, the Cardinal fans were skeptical when the uh, talk started earlier in the day because it sounded very much like the talk of the last couple of years. Yeah, they've been crying wolf on that for a couple of years. So uh, I texted and spoke with Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis. I said, does this feel any different than the last couple of years at this time when this rumor came up? And he said, yeah. He said, I think this has got a little legs to it. He said he's optimistic. And then, Well, Colorado really want to get rid, you know, get rid of the money, yep. obviously. Let's go to the phones. I thought we might hear from our friend Marty in uh, Pinehurst, North Carolina. Hey, Marty, good morning. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Okay, I guess they weren't kidnapped. They were just in hibernation. The front office has done something. That's nice. The question is, can they afford what they've done? (laughs) That's what I want to know. What do you think, Lauren? They're holding this up because of deferred money, it sounds like, so announcing everything. So what are you thinking? I don't know. I, I have no idea what their financial situation is. Obviously, everybody is hard pressed, but evidently they've got enough money. They're getting fifty million bucks uh, yeah. along the way. But uh, I don't think they're holding anything up, Marty. I think it's just going through the steps that it has to go through. Stuff. Yeah, with Major League yeah. Baseball and the union checking in, and he has to. Well, it is a weekend, isn't it? Yep, and Arenado has to officially waive his no trade clause and officially decide whether he's going to take uh, an opt-out in 2021. And it sounds like there's going to be an opt-out possibility for him there and in 2022, and the Cardinals are banking on the fact that uh, he'll like playing there. The likelihood of him uh, giving up this contract and getting a better contract at his age and with the conditions, uh, financial conditions of the teams, I think is very unlikely that that he'd get a better contract. Now, here's another thought. If... If, and I, it's a big if, but if they would happen to re-sign Wong at a discounted rate on what his option was, would that be the best infield in baseball? Pretty close, yeah. Everything but the best shortstop, you know, and, and he, not that DeYoung is bad, but he's, the last couple of years. he's he's fine. He's fine, but, I mean, yeah. third and first are, are the very best, and and Wong is the very best. I mean, he's yeah. defensively, he's as good as there is. Yep. Anyway, I thought I'd get in early because I, I saw that yesterday, and when I saw that Peterson was signed by the Cubs, mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty likely there were some legs to the Arenado stuff because I was thinking the Cardinals were probably looking at Peterson, but they didn't want to, you know, they had to figure out what they were doing with this Arenado deal first. Mm-hmm. So I thought there might be some legs to it when I heard Peterson had signed. Well, the yeah. uh, so players anyway. players have not been 
officially announced that are going to Colorado, but uh, we do have some names. Austin Gomber is said to be one. Jake Woodford, both those guys with some major league experience. And then the number nine, number 13, and number 23 uh, prospects in the Cardinal organization, Johan Torres, who is a right-handed pitcher, Lucan Baker, who's a first baseman, and Angel Rondon is uh, an outfielder, yeah. I think. So, Yeah. Well, I hate, I would hate to see Gomber, but that's okay, I guess. You got to uh, give up something. I, yeah, I figured it'd be more like I was hoping they might talk Carpenter and Fowler and giving up their no <laughs> yeah. trades. And you can't give them but away. Hey, yeah, yeah, isn't that the truth, Lauren? Well, you can't give isn't them away because the nobody'd pay their salaries. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what. Uh, by the way, on another subject, that was a f- fun game to watch. I wish I had vision left. It was a good the one. Sounds of up and down the floor was just wonderful. It's funny what happens when you don't foul and hack around all the time, isn't it? Yeah, they uh, they didn't give up. As we we noted, they didn't give up a free throw in the last fifteen thirty fifteen minutes without giving up a free throw at the end of the game. That was down the stretch. They just didn't. And well, Iowa outside of Garza doesn't take it to the basket that that's much. That's right. That's right. And no. and Fraser basically took Bohannon out of the game, although he hit one late one. But the one that yeah. he, that would have tied the game that he took was a very difficult shot. I mean, it was kind of off balance and, and long. It's funny that Frazier came in as a scorer and, and he's now turned into a defensive stopper on the perimeter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Have a great show. I'll be listening the whole way, but I thought I'd get in early because the Cardinals are finally doing something that I think at least is going to shake up the offense a little bit. Yeah. All right, Marty. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Garza last night, uh, 19 points, well below his average on 18 shots. He only had four rebounds in the ball game. Yeah, it uh, it just seemed like in the second half he just didn't do it. He had only six points in the second half, and uh, Kofi neutralized him, and and Georgie did the best he could when he was in there. Georgie just having some real trouble on the post. Uh, I'm not sure why, but he just last night it was just wasn't working. Yeah, and he had some shots that he uh, oftentimes I don't want to say normally, but oftentimes connects on and makes uh, some those short little Gar- lefty or righty Gars hooks. Garza's big and, and kind of forced him to take a tougher shot than he's accustomed to, I yeah. think. Just an outstanding college basketball game at the State Farm Center. Again, too bad uh, there weren't fans in the stands. Jacob Grandison was a key factor. He had a double-double, 11 points and 10 rebounds. And Illini coach Brad Underwood is with us on the telephone up early this morning. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great, guys. How about yourself? Good. I wonder on a game like that or any game, do you have do you have trouble sleeping? Does it matter <laughs> if you win or lose uh, as to to how well you might sleep on a on a late night yeah. Friday night game? Yeah, I just cleaned up my bed, which was the couch. <laughs> I, uh, um, let's just let's just say this: when FS1 replayed the game at two thirty, that was the second time I watched it. Oh, man. So. Um, yeah, I don't sleep very good, and and that that's that's pretty normal, really win or lose. But uh, you know, it, it's it's really hard to 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 do that. And one of the things I do is I I, I usually watch film in the middle of the night because I, I I don't know I've just kind of gotten in that habit, and and uh, we'll get caught up on sleep the next day. When you look back at a game, do you find <clears throat> often? times things that you 
you didn't notice live? Yeah, 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 a lot, a lot. And, you know, I think one of the things that uh, we try to do after every game is, is we, try to, we try to find three or four patterns, both good and bad, of things that, uh, that maybe we need to clean up. We've got we've to bring to our players' attention. Uh, you know, I think some things that uh, uh, we did in the zone offense, uh, we, we had some great, great plays in the second half, great ball movement. Uh, we got the plays, we got the ball where we needed to get it. Uh, you know, I think one of the tendencies uh, against Iowa, and I'll give you, you know, is, is, is they're really good at hiding Luka in the zone. And you've got to make Luka uh, be a full-time defensive player, not just a full-time offensive player. And, uh, you know, I thought last night we, we, we did a pretty good job of that in the second half, and getting him in foul trouble is obviously uh, something that uh, uh, helped us in the outcome. Uh, I read where uh, you said that Frazier, maybe he has said this, that uh, he's been playing better in practice. Did you see this coming on? I mean, this is by far this is the best game he's had since his sophomore sure. year. Well, his his role has changed, Lauren. I mean, I think that uh, uh, the the one thing that that Trent is is a winner, and and Trent Trent tries so hard to please, and um, and and be that guy. I mean, you don't hear Trent ever talk about I. It's always we, and it's always winning. And uh, the one thing that uh, you know he's he's he has unbelievable moments in practice. Trent Trent's the guy in practice that never takes a playoff. And and he has been on the roll. He's been shooting the heck out of it, and 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 we have, as coaches have been frustrated with him at times during games because he turns down shots and he and he's he's he can't do that. He's a guy that we need for us to get where we need to go. He's got to be able to to get ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen clicks off a game uh, because he is a good shooter and he's so effective with it. And uh, uh, last night he got to the hole easy. We got a couple of couple of easy ones going in but he has been great in practice and and i was glad to see that uh carry over and i i gotta bring up grandison because he certainly added something to your team since you started him against the pins in penn state i thought that his play against the zone defense in uh, penn state's zone was really effective early in that game and and he uh he was solid all all night last night hit that big three late to give you the lead for good and he's, he's really making uh, strides isn't he yeah, he's you know he's he's gotten comfortable. He's got both feet wet now in terms of you know the year layoff. Uh, you know he's he's a guy that spent hours and hours in the gym. He's become a really good shooter. Uh, we've got a lot of confidence in him when he's uh, when he's shooting it. Uh, he's a terrific passer. And then his his motor. I mean, he's got uh, Lauren. He's got great energy. He's a guy that uh, uh, is really hard to block out. He was a pain in the butt last year on the scout team. Uh, for our starters to, 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 to block out. And, and um, you know, he's proven that to be the same case for opponents. By the way, uh, was uh, Fran as uh, angry with you as he was on the press conference? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've, uh, I've learned to stay away after games. <laughs> you, you mean stay away from all the coaches? You don't shake hands or anything? No, we just we we acknowledge, but you know it's it's we had uh, we had the little deal with him last year after the game, and yeah, and uh, uh, you know it's 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 an emotional, and he's a great great competitor, and <clears throat> you know I'm sure he feels like that they had an opportunity to win the game, and 
and um, you know you're you're uh, uh, in this league. You know it's easy to lose two in a row or three in a row, and and uh, you know I think he's fighting for his team, and uh, there's no doubt it's uh, it's a challenge to uh, to do that in this league. Well, you take it one game at a time, and that's more than a cliche, I think, in in your way of thinking. And now it's a a quick turnaround after not playing for ten days. Hopefully, if everything goes well in the next uh, 48 hours or so, 72 hours perhaps, that uh, you'll be back on the court at Indiana. So you got to get set for that. And uh, Indiana's a team that has shown uh, it can knock off some uh, good competition as well. Well, Indiana's elite defensively. And, uh, you know, Trace Jackson uh, Davis is having a phenomenal year. He's one of the most uh, efficient players in the country from the offensive side. He's I think he's one or two in the country and in, in, uh, in foul rate getting getting to the line, um, you know, and that's uh, that was a big part of their win against uh, against Iowa uh, at Iowa. So uh, it's a team again that's uh, that's going to come off a layoff. Uh, they were supposed to play I think today or tomorrow maybe against Michigan, um, and and that game is is obviously off. So uh, you know we're all feeling the effects of COVID and. And uh, some unique timeliness with with times off and and, and days off. So uh, you know, we'll have a, we'll face a team, no doubt, that'll be well rested and, and well prepared. I'll tell you what. You talk about the unique times and how how you have to deal with things, but uh, with young guys and basically sequestered into that uh, just that little bubble, if you will, it's got to be tough on them, and, and they seem to be handling it very well. Well, I'm I'm proud of our guys. And, and I think the one thing that, um, you know, that we're trying really hard to be conscious of is, is we want the practice. We want, we want up and we want State Farm Center. When those guys come to play basketball, we want it to be fun. Uh, it's, it's, it's their escape. It's their, uh, their time out of uh, their apartments. And, and, and most of our guys don't leave their apartments. Most of our guys are, are restricted to uh, video games and their and their apartments, and we tell them not to interact with people that aren't uh, uh, in everyday testing, and and that's the price they're having to pay to uh, uh, to play basketball this year and and stay negative. So uh, I'm really proud of them. The, the guys have been committed to this point, and we've got to continue that here for the next uh, uh, eight to ten weeks. Coleman Hawkins didn't see action last night. Everything okay with him? <clears throat> yeah, everything's great, and it was just. Uh, just kind of a, I got a nice rotation, and uh, it's one of those things that you kind of uh, uh, go with the flow of the game. And Coleman's been great in practice, and, and um, just uh, kind of got a nice, uh, nice little routine. And, and Adam Miller got a little foul trouble, and and uh, the bench became a little bit. Um, and, and Jake was playing great, and we we avoided foul trouble, so uh, the the, uh, the bench got a little a uh, little shorter last night. And Corbello played almost. 26 minutes in the ball game, eight points, eight assists, and he had uh, four rebounds on the ball game. So he's kind of finding that niche himself, isn't he? Well, he was terrific last night. And, uh, you know, other than a, a little late game turnover, and I'm not talking about the one with the four second count, but on the out of bounds, but, um, you know, he had one on a, on a travel late that uh, uh, we were running a play to IO. But uh, again, he gets. Uh, uh, he gets in the paint. He makes things happen. Uh, we see his passing. He gets. Uh, he's, he's got a great floater game, uh, which um, uh, were, was on display last night. And again, anytime you have eight assists and, and you're sharing the ball and making other other people better, 
again, his 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 pace gets Trent and Io and, and Ace going and, and gets them easy shots, and that's something that uh, we desperately needed last night. Coach, uh, give me uh, explain the rule on the goaltend uh, by Kofi that uh, was uh, reviewed and uh, and changed. Uh, can can you call for a, a review of that any time or just in the last two minutes? Just in the last two minutes. Okay. And, and, it's and like again, an out-of-bounds. Right? Yeah, we, we got John Calipari to think about, thank for that. Cal, really? I think, got that rule changed a, a couple years ago, and, and, and it, it affects the outcome of games. Uh, in my opinion, you know, from my angle, uh, it, it didn't even look close. And, uh, you know, it was it's a hard call for officials to make, and uh, that one worked out for us, uh, you know, the review. And, uh, you know, the official had thought it, it, it hit the backboard and, and was on its way down, and obviously it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it ended up taking a basket away because they got the, they got the put back. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they had a baseline out and, and a four-point game instead of a two-point game. So, um, you know, it's, it's about getting the calls right, and in that case uh, the review was, uh, was, was correct and, and uh, just happened to, uh, to go our way. Yeah, you got two late steals, and in fact, you got a steal there. Uh, Kofi deflected a pass, and you got the ball back there with the score seventy six seventy two. And then they fouled Fraser, and he hit a couple, and that was pretty. That pretty. I started to say that pretty much sealed it. Although, <laughs> uh, you know, Bohannon came down and hit a three after that to make it close. But that's uh, that's got to be the. Does, do you feel like the, I know the fans and and all of us in the media feel like that's your biggest win? Do you feel that way, or are they all about the same for you? No, I, you know, I think there's games that you look at during the course of a season and you, you think that, uh, uh, you know, they could possibly springboard you. I think that uh, uh, it's, it's such an uneasy feeling playing Iowa because, because of Luka, uh, because of Wieskamp. You know, Wieskamp's a pro. Uh, he's going to have a long, long career. And, and, and they, just makes, they, they just stress you constantly on the offensive end. Like, can you ever get a stop? And, uh, you know, you mentioned the two steals. Curbelo, uh, you know, picks Connor McCaffrey's pocket. And, and, and then Kofi's steal, uh, you know, on a pass where they were trying to feed it in to, to, to Luca. And, you know, those become plays that, that uh, you know, I told our team after the game, you know, that, that becomes an Elite Eight, Sweet 16 type game where you've got to make plays on the defensive side uh, to win. And, um, and we did that. And I'm really proud of that. And that's something that uh, – uh, we've got to continue to do as we move forward and and, uh, and head in not to the end of the regular season, but postseason as well. Do you notice any difference in communicating with your <clears throat> players during the course of a heated game with with no crowds? You have to yell quite. You don't have to yell quite as loud, do you? No, it. You know, it's it's one of the. You know, Fran and I were talking before the game, and and you know, it's it's one of those deals we. First thing he said, he goes, "Man, how electric would this place be tonight?" Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I said, "Oh, this 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 would have been the hottest ticket going." And and I said, "You know, it's it was the greatest environment we had last year, just as the game was at your place." And and I said, "You know, it's a shame that uh, that all of college basketball fans and and especially in the Big Ten, we don't get to uh, they don't get to enjoy that this year." So, uh, but it it's much easier. Um, I don't like that. I miss right. the fans. I miss the fans dearly, and I think it's a big part of uh, the experience of playing college basketball at Illinois, uh, for sure. 
uh, is, is being a part of that. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's one of the things I, I felt, I felt sick last night for our fans because that was a great, great college basketball game against with two really good teams and an exciting game and 20 plus lead changes. And, and to be a part of that, uh, you, you remember those games. But you know, uh, the good news is that you had millions and millions of fans across this land who were watching on a Friday night game when there was really no other uh, game to challenge it, and uh, other than the trade of Arenado. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, and of course, uh, yeah. John Cheney's unfortunate death. Uh, those are stories, but this was a, a live event that I, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to see what the numbers are on this because this had to be center one stage, the, yeah. One, one of the most watched games of the season anywhere, don't you think? Oh, I think so, without question. And again, I think it was the you know I think, if I'm not mistaken, and don't I think it was the only top twenty-five game last night with two ranked opponents, and 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 then when you start looking at the net. Uh, which we look, you know, I look at constantly from the, the standpoint of the, the NCAA selection committee uses that, you know, that was, I think, I think we're seven and they're three maybe uh, in the net. And uh, so from the net ranking side of things, it was an elite game. Um, you know, the, the, the Fox sports Friday night games have been through the roof uh, with the right, with the ratings uh, in the past. So I can only imagine last night was uh had to be a very, uh, very well uh, viewed game in terms of of the ratings. Hey, Brad, we appreciate and my, uh, and, my, and my and my tweets I get. <laughs> I got, got a few more tweets last night after the game. I bet you did. Good deal. We appreciate your time. Hopefully, you can get time for a squeeze a nap in sometime here today. Yeah, we'll just uh, we'll go to bed a little earlier tonight. We got to get uh, get ready for Indiana, and so we'll uh, we'll start grinding on the Hoosiers today. Congratulations. Thank Thanks, Brad. Yep. Brad Underwood with us here after that 80-75 to win over the Iowa Hawkeyes last night on the Big Ten schedule today. Number 14, Wisconsin, is scheduled at Purdue, or rather at Penn State at 2 o'clock this afternoon. And number 21, Minnesota, plays at Purdue tonight. Those are the only two games on the Big Ten schedule. Then tomorrow, two more. Michigan State plays at Ohio State. The Buckeyes are number 13, that game at noon. Then Rutgers at Northwestern at 6.30. We're going to talk more about the last night's win. Jeremy Werner from 247sports.com will join us. Also coming up a little bit later on, Matt Daniels, the sports editor of the News Gazette, will be in studio with us. We'll uh, chat uh, briefly with uh, Kevin Kugler, who called the game last night on Fox Sports 1 with Stephen Bardo. And Corey Bradford will join us later in the show as well. The phone lines will remain open during that time, 356-9397. This is Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk, and we're back with more in just a moment. Stay with us. It's Fighting Alani Volleyball. Chris Thomas's team will take on Wisconsin again Saturday morning here at 11 o'clock today on DWS. Hey, and welcome back to the show. Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk taking you up to Illini Volleyball pregame show with Tim Dipman at 1045 this morning. Illini and number one Wisconsin at 11. Talking Illinois basketball with that win last night over the Iowa Hawkeyes, 80-75 to at the State Farm Center. Thanks to Brad Underwood for getting up early with us or at least uh, staying up and talking about it. Another guy up and at him early is Jeremy Werner from uh, 24-7 Sports, Illini Inquirer. And uh, not because, just because he has two young children, but uh, 
He has two young children, and he had to work late. So, Jeremy, I appreciate you getting up early this morning. How are you doing? Uh, doing pretty well. Um, I'm still buzzing just to the great college basketball game we got last night, Steve. I, I'm just a, a huge fan of watching these two teams play. I know Illinois fans are big fans of Iowa and, and uh, vice versa, but, uh, man, they're three for three in the last three games. And uh, it, it's just a shame that, you know, we were, what, three of only 190 people in that stadium to watch it because uh, it lived up to the billing, man. Yeah, and it uh, didn't seem to get uh, – I think there's always some talking in games like this, college basketball games. I didn't see an overload of that last night or here. And a lot of times with no people in the place, you, you hear more of that than you normally do. But uh, I thought it was uh, a cleanly played game all the way around. Yeah, um, I, I think these two teams, obviously, and I love that Iowa DeSumo and some of the Iowa players actually acknowledge, hey, they don't like each other, but there's definitely a healthy respect there. Um, there certainly was, you know, some heated moments on the floor, but I think it was all out of, out of competition. So this, this is what's great about college basketball, and it's what's great about having players return, right? Like, that that's not happening as much in college basketball. So, you know, to have Luka Garza for a fourth year feels like a treat to have Iowa DeSumo um, for a third year is, is a treat, and to have the same characters in this rivalry, and including if, if Illini fans want to make friend McCaffrey the villain, I know he and Brad Underwood are, are similar. They they really really like each other and have a lot of respect for each other. But man, when they get on the court, it's just it's fantastic to watch. Then you had a guy like Jacob Grandison step up with a double double and his second starting role, and that uh, certainly helps and gives Illinois another weapon in there. He doesn't have to score fifteen a game, but if he can put in 8, 10, 12 a game, that certainly helps. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing, right? Like, he, he plays 30 minutes last night, and there's a guy that had one minute uh, in the Duke game. He's a guy who, you know, just played six minutes, I believe, against Maryland, but he gives them something different on, on the court, and, and when you I was watching Iowa in warm-ups, I'm just like, man, this team's a long team, right? Like, Joe Wieskamp started at the two, and he's 6'7". Uh, Connor McCaffrey's a longer wing. Um, they're just, a, a you know, Keegan Murray's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, at the four spot. So they needed some more length out there to help out Sumu on the wing. And uh, he certainly brings skill. Uh, he can shoot the ball well, but the effort and energy on the glass He's not the best defender, but he's an active one. Uh, and uh, I, I just think he brings something at that four position that they just lacked when you have a 6'3", DeMonte Williams, and allows him to battle on the glass. And uh, You know, they, they just needed that kind of player. They've struggled to recruit that four position. I think Jacob's more of a traditional three. Uh, but, man, he plays like a veteran. And I just think he kind of lets everything else fall into place uh, and lets everyone else kind of play their role really, really well. So, he, he's been he's been a key. They're two and zero with him in the starting lineup, and you know they needed to change, and, and he, that change certainly has worked out well for Brad Underwood, in, in, at least in the first two games they played. You know, I, I thought uh, Underwood used a, an interesting word. He said that Grandison is comfortable, getting comfortable, and you know you could just see how uncomfortable Verdunk was when he was in the game. Had a, le- a cold layup and missed it. Had he made that, I was thinking, boy, that would make him more comfortable. But he missed it, and now that it's probably just tightening him up all the more. And he had, he came out of the game, and he didn't play very much. But I just, I think that Grandison's starting to fit now. And and uh, it wasn't that uh, Williams wasn't playing well for him, for him. But he's just not a, he's not a strong offensive player, other than to shoot open threes. And I think they got a guy that can both pass. And I thought his passing, passing in the Penn State game was important, Grandison. So. I, I, he's had an element I, that can make a big difference as, as they go forward, don't you think? 
Yeah, and especially, Lauren, now the teams are zoning uh, Illinois to stop Kofi Coburn. Yeah. Um, you know, Kofi, might, his, his scoring might be down in the last couple games. Um, but, you know, when you get 10 points from Grandison or six or eight points, that, that kind of makes up for it because he's got, you know, that open, you know, shot at the – you know, at the elbow there, uh, I think he really is, an, is a nice weapon. He's kind of their zone killer just because he's such a good passer out of that pinch post. He can score from there, uh, and he can stretch the floor from three as well and just attack the glass. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned the word comfortable. I, I, we always get asked about these guys who don't play the first 10 or 15 games of the season due to injuries. and mm-hmm. You know, people are thinking they're going to be like the biggest X factor. It's hard to come in midseason like Verdonk and, and be the game changer just because – that word you use comfort like they're, they're, they get on the court they're nervous they don't know exactly what they're supposed to do and you know Illinois just doesn't have the time to to let them play through those mistakes like they do early in the season so uh, the fact that Grandison's been able to get comfortable despite not having a bunch of those minutes I just think that shows um you know he's played uh you know at the high major level and he's, he's still been able to have confidence he's just a veteran uh, talk about free throws. Uh, as, uh, this In this game, Garza made one free throw, which is the fewest he's made since his sophomore year. And that's kind of a – I mean, that's that, that's a, a game – I mean, in the Baylor and Missouri games that Illinois lost, we were so worried about fouling and the other team's free throws. In this case, uh, Iowa didn't make a free throw in the last 15 minutes. Your thoughts about that? Yeah, they didn't have a free throw in the last 15 minutes, and they were in the bonus for most of that. Yep. Um, I think that's pretty impressive for Illinois. I do think that tells you Illinois uh, is, is quicker than Iowa. Iowa really just couldn't break them down off the dribble, and that, that's their one, you know, defensively, obviously, they're not a great team, and I don't think they, they will be because athletically and quickness-wise, they're, they're just not that great, but they also don't really have a guy who can break you down off the dribble and get to the lane uh they got to work through garza and, and garza was in foul trouble and i, I got to give kofi coburn uh and georgie bont bashanishvili uh had some nice possessions against him um you know but kofi really attacked him well uh you know closing out on some of those threes kept him from shooting some of those like ej liddell uh crushed him with so i think he learned from that uh but he also broke down and you know garza couldn't get by him either so uh, but Illinois had a good defensive plan. They attacked him because that's what you have to do. Um, you, you got, you had to make uh, Garza work for it. Uh, and he only had 19 points on, on 18 shots. You'll, you'll take that any time from the, probably the best uh, offensive player in the country. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Iowa fans wanted more fouls. I think for him, McCaffrey was going all the way to the game, trying to work the officials to get more fouls. But I think it, it's a kudos to Illinois. Um, you know, two of the guys that were really struggling with fouls yesterday, Adam Miller and, Monte Williams didn't play much down the stretch. Um, and, and Andre Corbello actually uh, had some good defensive possessions late. So uh, I think that tells you a little bit about, you know, Illinois' defense and, and how they were getting into Iowa without, you know, following them. I, I think they deserve a, a little bit of credit for that. But I thought it was a pretty well-officiated game. You know, Illinois got into foul trouble in the, in the second half, and I, I never thought, like, that game got out of hand when, you know, a rivalry this game usually can't. Well, it, it looks to me like Illinois is going into February with a little bit of a different team now with Granison and Curbelo. The best lineup that they have on the court usually is with those two in there, I see now. Because uh, Miller just is, uh, obviously, he was scoreless again last night. And I say again, he, he wasn't scoreless in the last game, but he was scoreless previously in, in games. And I just, I just doesn't look like he's going to be uh, quite the factor uh, coming down the stretch that we hoped he would be. 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to buy into that after one game. Um, yeah. Warren, I thought Adam was actually playing his best basketball the last five games. You know, he was averaging 11 points, shooting 40% from three. I just think last night wasn't his night. Uh, and, and Andre Cabello, I didn't think he played all that well in the first half defensively. Uh, but yeah. obviously Andre just has these moments where he takes over. Uh, and, and, you know, the things he can do, just that, that patient dribble, 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 and then all of a sudden he's got an open hook. Uh, eight assists, uh, you know, he's going to have turnovers. It's going to happen, but when you got eight assists, three turnovers, uh, I think I think Brad just rode the hot hand between those two because, you know, Adam defensively, I thought, did a decent job, uh, but didn't make his shots, and I thought, you know, he got a little handsy uh, with some of those fouls. But I, I thought he'd been playing pretty well. But, um, you know, I think those freshmen, those are going to kind of be the up-and-down guys. But I do think, you know, we haven't even brought up Trent Frazier yet, but Io, Trent Frazier, Kofi, and now I think you can add Jacob Grandison starting to be in that, okay, we know what we're going to get out of these guys uh, every night, and you can get some consistency. Uh, and then you just see which freshman steps up tonight. Can Georgie give us something positive? We can add Coleman into the mix. Uh, is DeMonte make a couple threes tonight? Um, I, I agree with you. They're going in, I think, with a settled rotation. of They know what their roles are going to be. You know, One night Coleman might play a little bit more. One night Trebello might play a little bit more Miller. Uh, but I think you're starting to settle in into exactly what your rotations are going to be, and I, I like it because Grandison or Hawkins give you much needed length. I mean, this is a, this is a smaller team when they had um, you know Grandison and Hawkins not playing very much, and I think in the Big Ten you got to have a little bit more length here. Indiana is up next for the Illini basketball team coming up Tuesday night in Bloomington. That game originally scheduled for six has been pushed to eight o'clock. We're visiting with uh, Jeremy Werner. He covers Illinois football, basketball, and other things for 247sports.com, Illini Inquirer. Let's talk a little Illinois football. No games on the horizon, obviously, but uh, Brett Bielma has his staff fully in place now and had a little Zoomer, a little Zoom press conference uh, this week, and he's got things rolling, and he seems to be uh, doing everything right so far. I guess it's kind of the honeymoon, I guess, uh, until the game started, at least, but he seems to be making the right contacts across the state and around the country. Yeah, I, I just think you know we had a forty-five minute Zoom call with him, and it sure didn't feel like it, right? It was it was just easy and smooth for him. Um, I think he's shown he's he's he can be a pretty good CEO of a program, and I think he's the kind of vocal um, let us in a little bit to his program, and he understands you know the value of taking fans into what his plan is. Uh, and I think fans got to be pretty encouraged. Again, yes, it's a honeymoon period, but I think he put together a staff, guys. I put it this way. Like, if, if Michigan had this staff or Iowa had this staff, I think they'd be like, okay, yeah, that, that's pretty solid. That's pretty good. I think for Illinois to have that um, with the Power Five coordinators they've had on here, uh, some of the young uh, recruiting assistants, I think it's pretty encouraging, pretty impressive Power Five staff for Illinois. Uh, and then on the recruiting trail, yeah, they've added some transfers that can help right away. Uh, I would even add on the recruiting trail, he's, he's kept 14, 15 seniors, uh, including pulling some guys who could enter, enter the transfer portal. Owen Carney did. Tony Adams considered it. Um, so to get all those guys back uh, at least gives him a chance to compete year one, which I think is really important. I, I think you got to follow more of the Jeff Brom model uh, than the original Lovey Smith model, which was add some pieces that can help you win right away. Um, you know, get some momentum, and then that can help on the recruiting trail. But, yeah, I think, you know, we haven't seen what's going to happen yet in recruiting, but I think we're seeing, and at least guys I talk to, so many in-state prospects that 
Illinois wasn't really even on the radar because Illinois just either had a poor relationship with their coach or just wasn't recruiting them as hard as other people. Now all of a sudden you're in the mix uh, for some of those guys. doesn't mean you're going to land all of them, uh, but you need to land more of your in-state kids, uh, get more of the top 25 power five prospects in the state. And I, I think he's, he's made, he's made the right moves there so far. So while this is a tough job, as you guys know, covering this program, as long as you have, and even as long as I have, um, he's got a lot of work to do and uh, you know, it's an uphill climb, but I do think in the first month, five weeks on the job, He's doing and saying uh, what you need to do to have a chance uh, to, to win at Illinois. And I think they got a chance to compete in this first year, and, and we'll see what they can do in the recruiting trail after that. But, um, you know, he's vocalized his plan to us, and every time, you know, I, I think there's such a detailed plan. And, what, and Josh Whitman talked about uh, at his introductory press conference about how detailed his plan was. And I think, guys, Brett has a big chip on his shoulder after getting fired at his last job. Um, and, and I think he was preparing this plan and really passionate about making this work so that he's not remembered as the guy after the guy at Wisconsin or remembered as the guy who got fired at Arkansas. Um, I think this really, really matters to him, and I think that's a great thing for Illinois. Uh, Jeremy, how good is the talent coming up in Illinois? Edgy Tim and Tom Lemming have both indicated that uh, they think that there's uh, particularly some good linemen upcoming in the next two classes. How do you evaluate it? Yeah, those guys are a little bit better. Like, they got a better idea of it. But, yeah, the last two classes in state guys have not been that strong. Uh, but 2022, I don't know if Illinois is going to have a chance at some of these great skill players. Like Caleb Brown um, is, is one of the top prospects in, in the state. I think Michigan and Ohio State are, are doing really, really well with him. Tyler Morris – uh, is another top 100 wide receiver. Uh, but there's some really good offensive linemen, as you said, Warren, and that's where I think Bart Miller and Brett Bielma are going to do really, really well. Uh, one kid to watch would be Danny McGuire out of Chicago Maris. They've done a great job early on in the process with him. Um, and uh, there's a lot of other in-state, you know, defensive linemen, outside linebackers, you know, three, four kind of kids that I think uh, Illinois hasn't gotten in previously with Jared Beatty. Uh, being one of those out of Oswego East, uh, that you know Sebastian Cheeks is a top two four seven uh, linebacker that Illinois really wasn't didn't even offer uh, with Lovey Smith and you know Brett Bielma comes in and offers I think they're just going to have a chance but I, I do think you know you can look outside of that I think Illinois is going to be more active in Indiana Bart Miller has already gotten into Wisconsin uh, as well they were the first Power Five offer for Joey Opa uh, last uh, time and then uh, Hank Beatty kid out of Rochester they offered as a wide receiver I think Illinois. Is definitely the favorite there. Rashad Rochelle, who had Illinois offers a quarterback on the previous staff, but they didn't recruit him as far as Rutgers, so he committed to Rutgers. I think Illinois is going to be a player there. So I think they've done a pretty good job, but I do think that the state um, always supplies linemen, always supplies linebackers, some running backs, uh, and they do have some really good skill players here the, the next couple of years. Warren, I don't know if they're going to get you know um, some of the top 100 prospects in, in the class of 2022 here just because they, they are coming in a little bit later in the process. Uh, but I do think they're going to land some of the, the better prospects in the state. Um, and I think Brett's message has definitely resonated. And I think most importantly, um, he's, he's connecting with these kids. They like what he's saying. They like what he's pitching to them. And, and uh, they like his personality. So I think that's going to pay off. Did you think they will play a defense that will get more pressure on the opposing quarterback? Do you expect them to use some 3-4, 4-3, more blitzing? What do you think? 
Yes, Lauren. I, I think it's going to be very much – the word I use is multiple. Like, I, I don't know if it's going to be a strict 3-4 all the time. It could be a 4-2-5 look this time. It could be 4-3 look this time. It could be 3-4, 3-3-5. But, I mean, they're kind of telegraphing what they're going to do by some of the kids they're recruiting. They added a kid, uh, Dwayne Johnson, out of Georgia, who is a 3-4 outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to start, you know, that – change they do inherit a roster that's better suited for a forward man defensive front though i do think isaiah gay seth coleman could be kind of that rush outside linebacker that we think of as a three four outside linebacker uh but i we've already heard from you know ryan walters brett bielma um you know some of the defensive staff like kevin kane uh they're going to disguise things they're going to um, you know, make the quarterback guess who's coming on plays. And that that's a three-man front uh, for the most front uh, point. So those are better. Um, I think you got to disguise more. Lovey Smith didn't do that. Um, he, sometimes he did it, but not very often. And I think those, having more of those kind of linebacker bodies in the, in the field is important against uh, a lot of these dual-threat quarterbacks. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really – they're going to go that route, Warren. It's about how quickly do they go fully into that. Ryan Walters ran a three-man front. Um, you know, Kevin Kane has a lot of experience in the three-man front. Uh, so that's that's where gonna they're they're gonna go, and that's where most coaches uh, that have been in the college game for a long time are going. One more thing with Jeremy Warner: Did you happen to look to your left last night in the first half of the basketball game at the State Farm Center and see Lauren Tate acting like a cheerleader, jumping up and down when he heard the Nolan Arenado news? <laughs> How fun is that, man? Uh, first of all, hey, uh, it's Cardinals and White Sox. Cardinals and White Sox are the World Series. <laughs> I mean, I know Cardinals fans were getting a, a little anxious about not making any moves, but this is what I love about John Mazalak, guys. Is um, man, he I know you guys get frustrated that he has payroll flexibility because you just want him to spend it. Um, <laughs> but he he waits uh, and, and pounces like he makes the most of that. Like he's not gonna just gonna go, hey, I got to sign Jason Hayward or I got to go sign uh, Craig Kimbrell because I have this money. I think that's what has doomed a little bit of the Cubs along with some ownership decisions there. Uh, but Theo just kind of spent it. When he gets that money, he spends it. Mosaic is very prudent uh, about like how he's going to use that space. And then you guys always have the prospect capital uh, to, to pull up these moves. So I'm surprised uh, that the Rockies are paying you to take their probably future Hall of Famer and not taking any of your best prospects back. But I think it's just Mosaic has been waiting in the weeds, and you guys are always – always have a chance to make these moves and uh congratulations because now you got goldschmidt and arenado and on the opposite side of the infield on on one of the best infields in, in major league baseball so uh yeah that was huge news it was all happening at the same time it was it was a fun night and the top of week that you know lauren gets hall of fame honors congratulations <laughs> to that lauren and then uh, your team adds a future hall of famer most likely so big week good stuff jeremy appreciate your time as always thanks jeremy anytime guys thanks Jeremy Warner from 247sports.com, Illini Inquirer, 951. We'll have an open line if you'd like to join us, 356-9397. Coming up after this on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 953, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Hall of Famer Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11, 356-9397 is the phone number. Plenty to talk about. And Alan from Montrose is calling in. Good morning, Alan. What's on your mind this morning? Morning, guys. Uh, I can't figure out why, but it sure feels like uh, Christmas this morning after uh, 
what happened last night. And, uh, you know, about halftime, I was with a bunch of guys. We were watching uh, on the TV, and uh, somebody says, hey, Cardinals just got Arenado. I said, you're kidding me. And uh, then I said, well, if we could just win this game, it'd be a great night. And it turned out to be so. Yeah, it was. And we, we talked about that last night as well during the ball game. Uh, the, that first half was as entertaining as the, any half that we could remember seeing. And it worked out in the end. And the Cardinals, even though the deal has not been officially announced or finalized yet, uh, things are all, all right. pointing in that direction. I thought uh, Frazier had his best game in two years. Yep. Since maybe even his sophomore year. It was. And, uh, well, we needed to have somebody like that. And I thought the key to the game, well, Granderson had a really good game, too. He's helping out. I was a little surprised Hawkins didn't play. But I thought the key to the game was, and I told everybody at the start, and Trent Frazier did an excellent job, and so did Io. I thought keeping Bohannon from shooting those shots was big. Uh, yeah, you you know that he is he was one for twenty on three point shots in their three losses, and he only had two baskets last night. Yeah, he's been in a little he, bit of a funk. Yeah, well, not in the games they win, he's been right. doing, doing pretty good. But uh, you know, uh, he just it, it's amazing what's happened. I mean, he went zero for nine in the loss to Indiana, zero for nine in the game, zero yeah. for eight from three. So uh, I think that. Fraser is a good fit against him. He's not a good fit against uh, uh, Weisskopf, Weisskamp, because Weisskamp is so much taller he can shoot over him and did that in a game when there was a switch. And by the way, yeah. uh, am I wrong? Uh, didn't didn't wasn't Kofi guarding Bohannon when he made his first three? Remember they made they switched. Yeah, there was a switch. You're they right. Switch and and all of a sudden Kofi's trying to guard him out and he couldn't get closer. Yeah, he was he halfway was, to Rantoul out there though. You know, he was a long way out. <laughs> there's no doubt. And he does shoot difficult shots, Bohannon. Yep. But he makes them. And the key, key of the game was when we got that block overturned. I didn't know you could do that, uh, overturned yep. uh, block shots. I, 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 I thought when I saw live that it was goaltending. But uh, when they showed the review, it still seemed to be going up. So mm-hmm. sometimes things can be deceiv- uh, deceiving. Oh, yeah. He, he blocked the ball into the board, and the, it didn't hit the board first. He blocked it into the board, and that's perfect. It was a perfectly legal block. Well, we got a break when they actually called it because we can't got it back and put it right back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they took they had the basket up on the board, and they mm-hmm. took it off, and then uh, you're right. They did end up scoring there anyway. But, hey, uh, Alan, we appreciate it. Let's uh, move along to uh, Tom and Urbana. Good morning, Tom. How are you guys doing? Good. Yeah, I know you're a big golfer, and I was just curious. What's the best uh, score you've ever had on an 18-hole course? Uh, 67. 67. I was going to guess. Was that two years ago? No, it was three years. 2015. It was. Well, you had you, a couple years ago. You had a real low score in, in the tournament. That's the year I won it. And that was 2015. Come on. <laughs> it hadn't been that long. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I was going to guess a sixty-five, but that's pretty low. Well, that, that's uh, yeah, sixty-seven was was my best, and I've only been in the sixties one other time, I think, that I remember. So, 
Yeah. And then Lauren, Lauren, I used to work with uh, John Eads from Monticello at the U of I, and he told me one time, and I mentioned it to you several years ago, that you had uh, two holes and ones in one week. No, no, I had three holes and one in three consecutive years, all playing with John Eads. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's a Savoy and Champagne Country Club and Monticello, and number eight in Monticello. Consecutive years uh-huh. playing with John Eads. Imagine that. Well, you can play with him more often. I know. And I played with him okay. about two years ago, and I played pretty good with John. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I always play good when I'm with John, but he's a better golfer than I was. You remember, uh, you remember John Gadbury? Yeah. Yeah, uh, John Eads said one time when he got out of the military, he was uh, so strong that he ran into him one time. And Gadbury picked him up over top of his head with one hand. <laughs> well, I doubt that, but if he said that, John uh, tends to exaggerate. <laughs> yeah. But I think John played minor league baseball for the Dodgers, didn't he? Uh, Rich Gadbury played minor league baseball for the Dodgers. Richard Gadbury. Yeah. yeah. You know, I played basketball for Muhammad Seymour. I was the starting center back in the early 70s, and I uh, – I had to quit after my first 10 games. I had a, a stress fracture in my left shin bone, torn cartilage in my knee, and a dislocated kneecap all at the oh same boy. time. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's too bad. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, yeah. thank you. Thanks for the call, Tom. It is moving up on 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We're going to take a break here at the top of the hour and get going with the second hour, which will be second uh, 45 minutes in this case ahead of Illinois volleyball. Matt Daniels, the sports editor of the News Gazette, is in the house. We'll talk some high school sports with him. We'll keep the phone lines open when we continue here on DWS. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397. Or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show. We're with you until 11 o'clock here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Matt Daniels, sports editor of the News Gazette, a late night uh, for Matthew as well, and high school basketball action last night how about that yeah that was uh that was pretty crazy to to see uh considering about 72 hours ago we weren't sure if there was going to be a high school basketball season at all but uh had two high school boys basketball games in our coverage area tip off last night uh kind of the main attraction was down in in douglas county the the tuscola boys basketball team uh, opened up the season against arthur lovington atwood hammond and, and came away with a 58 43 win and then Further north in our coverage area, uh, Bismarck, Henning, Rossville, Alvin, which is fresh off a, a 34-1 season last year and uh, made it to the Class 2A Super Sectional. They played up at Milford and, and came away with a 42-36 win. So uh, good to see high school basketball back. I know from talking to a lot of coaches and athletes in the area, it's uh, they, they feel it's long overdue and definitely a different scene compared to what we're used to. And players have to wear masks during the games and crowd is is limited in size and 
Uh, but uh, they're just happy to be back out on the court playing. Well, tell me about the mass. I mean, how can you play basketball? I mean, I, I, mean, I do workouts, and mm-hmm. I admit that my workouts aren't very Im- important, but I have to lift my mask just to breathe sometimes just when I, you know, when I get up a little sweat. Yeah, I, I, I was talking to uh, Kyle Duvall, uh, St. Joseph Ogden boys basketball coach, earlier this week, and he, they've had, they had a couple practices uh, by Wednesday afternoon, and he, said, he told me that you know, the mass part is, is a tough adjustment because the kids are sucking in sweat, they're sucking in hot air, and they have to take breaks. But he also said that's kind of what they signed up for. And, uh, you know, from all indications, the the players at Tuscola and Arthur Levington Atwood Hammond had no no problems with it. And I think they're incorporating kind of a, a media timeout every quarter uh, in a high school game so the players can kind of take a break and, and get adjusted to – What about to, the officials? I'm pretty sure the officials have to as well, although I don't know because... So how are they blowing whistles? That's a great question, Lauren. <laughs> uh, I was not in Tuscola last night, so I didn't get to see the game in action, but I know we'll we'll get out to a few games this upcoming week and, and have a better idea of what exactly that's like. I know at Tuscola, I think they, had, uh, they limited f- two tickets per player uh, to actually have a, a sort of a crowd, and it's limited to family members, and uh, pretty much, I think the school had to kind of know who all was going to be there uh, before the game. So that's kind of that's kind of where we're at right now. You could have a whistle under your mask. That's very true. Uh, I know I talked to Leroy Schluter a couple months ago, an area high school, a longtime area high school basketball official, and um, I think they, again, I don't know all the details about the referees. That's something we'll, we'll sort of well, stuff out. They've got I, a thing on their hip if they, if they yeah. want to use it. They can blow the whistle from their hip. Mm-hmm. I think everyone associated with high school basketball in Illinois is just happy that it's back in the sense that they don't they don't have to worry about uh, you know the games uh, being played. The schedules are, are still being created for a lot of teams, and uh, you know we've got a, a handful of schools that are still filling out their schedules right now. Their seasons run until till March 13th, and they want to get in as many games as possible for the kids. And fortunately, where we're at in the state of Illinois, with us being in Region 6, which encompasses the entire coverage area in the News Gazette, those teams can play. But obviously other parts of the state can't have high school basketball right now because of the, the mitigations they're under. Beyond basketball, what else are you dealing with? Are they going to play spring football? Yeah, I mean, the IHSA had a a very important board meeting on on Wednesday, a much-anticipated one, and uh, high school football right now, again, as we've all learned throughout this pandemic, anything can change at a moment's notice, but right now, uh, they're slated to have practices start in in early March, March 3rd, and then March 19th is looking like the first Friday that they'll have games. It'll be about a six-game uh, regular season, there's there's no state playoffs, no state series, anything like that, and that's the same thing with with boys basketball as well. This will mark the second straight year there's there's no state champions crowned in in boys basketball because if you remember back to last March, the the pandemic forced the cancellation of the tournament right before they kicked off the the one A and two A state tournaments. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be different. But high school football. All signs point to it being played in the spring, and uh, we'll see if that actually happens. Let's talk some more high school sports with Matt Daniels, the sports editor of the News Gazette, coming up shortly. In live radio, sometimes we have to do an audible. We're going to do an audible right now on Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and yours truly, Steve Kelly. Kevin Kugler is on the line with us. He's having some travel uh, delays (laughs) this morning, so we're going to move him up a little bit and uh, talk about that game. Kevin, uh, thanks for checking in with us, and uh, good morning. How are you doing? Uh, well, I, I apologize for forcing everybody into the audible. I would uh, I would take all the blame for it, but I have to give a little bit of blame to the airlines. You know, no matter when we're flying in a pandemic or not flying in a pandemic, one thing is constant. 
the airlines still have some issues sometimes. So I apologize. I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to be on in my normal slot. So I'm sorry to throw you off this morning. No problem whatsoever. We uh, enjoy talking with you. Your your thoughts. You called the ball game last night with Stephen Bardo. That was just a an outstanding Big Ten basketball game, wasn't it? I think it was the best game of the year in the conference, and it might have been the best game, the most entertaining game in the country this year. We've had some good basketball this season, but that was one of the most entertaining, hard-fought, closely contested games. And and you know it's that way when people are nitpicking one call or another, what about this call, what about that call, because it really did hinge on one play here or one play there. Two really good basketball teams played a terrific game on a Friday night. I, the, the only thing I wish we had had was about 15,000 people in there because it would have been fantastic with a full house. I wanted to ask you about that. Are you adjusting to the fact of that uh, there are not crowds? And, and some of the ball games you do remotely, you know, you're not at the arena, but uh, mm-hmm. in some you are. But like last night when you were here, is it a tough adjustment for you with uh, not having that crowd? I miss the crowd, and, and that's, the, that's the one thing I noticed the most is that when you're calling a game, especially on television, there are times where you want to not talk because the crowd is doing so much of the talking. But you're, you really have a harder time doing that because when you stop talking, it accentuates the fact that there's no one in the building. So you find yourself talking a little bit more than maybe you'd like. And, and at, from a broadcast standpoint, from just a fan of sports, I, I miss it a lot. I, I miss the atmosphere. I miss the energy. I, I miss the smiling faces or the frowning faces, depending on what's going on on the field or court. Uh, it, it's it's an adjustment you have to make right now. I'm just hopeful and crossing our fingers that this is the only season any of us have to make this adjustment, that by next year we'll be talking about this as something in the past. Well, I want to ask, uh, Kevin, does this change your uh, feeling about Illinois in terms of their potential? I I asked the question with the realization that Indiana, Wisconsin, and Michigan are the next three games. We assume Michigan will be ready to play on the 11th of February, so it can all change overnight. But to me, uh, the balance that Illinois got last night from various players made this a better, different-looking team than we saw earlier. What, what are your thoughts on that? Boy, I, I would agree with you, Lauren. The balance we saw, the play from Trent Frazier was spectacular last night. If you can get that kind of work from Grandison on the boards, and I realize the double-double is probably not in the offing every game. That's a, that's a big ask. But you're talking about guys who – if you have told me that Kofi Coburn would be relatively limited in his impact in this game and that Illinois would still win the game despite Wieskamp having a good night, despite Luca Garza having a solid night – I would have been surprised to hear that. But the fact that Illinois was able to overcome not the best night that Kofi Coburn has had and still get a win over a team that I think has the potential by the end of the season to be an Elite Eight Final Four caliber team. I don't know that I was going to be there, but I think they're good enough to be in that position at the end of the year. That says a lot about Illinois. And the one thing that has always stuck out with me as far as Illinois is concerned this year is just finding that consistency. I think the talent level is phenomenal with this Illinois team. If they can just bottle up some consistency and spread that over the next month, this is going to be a very, very good month for Illini fans. I I, I like this team a lot. I liked a lot of what I saw last night from that group. Another minute or two with Kevin Kugler, who's uh, kind enough to visit uh, with us this morning. Where are you off, where are you off to next? Uh, I'm going home, hopefully, <laughs> today <laughs> before the snow hits. And then, uh, and then I've got uh, Michigan State at Iowa next on Tuesday, and we'll see if the Spartans can rebound from that ugly performance they had the other night against Rutgers. Where is home for you? 
I live in Omaha, so I'm, uh, you know, I, I guess I could drive, but I don't want to drive through the snow. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope this plane goes here before too long and, uh, and we get home. But Omaha is home, and uh, there hasn't been much basketball played in, in Lincoln these days with Nebraska on their, their COVID break. Hopefully they get back next week as well. What do you hear, by the way, I, you mentioned Nebraska and their football departures. I saw where they're up to 25 now or so. Uh, players who have departed uh, for the portal or left for uh, other reasons since December of uh, actually in the last uh, 13 months. What's your take on that? Uh, It's an interesting situation because what you have is the bulk of the departures coming from the offensive side of the ball. And it's an offensive program set up by an offensive head coach, the former quarterback, Scott Frost. The defense is retaining players. They're going to be one of the oldest defenses in the league next year. And, surprisingly, will be the strength of that team. That's not what you expected year four with Scott Frost. The offense was supposed to be clicking right now. And part of it is guys aren't getting playing time. Part of it is perhaps a little disenchantment with the losing. And and everybody knows this. Losing is not easy. And in this environment, it's harder to retain players than ever. And if you're not winning games, those players look for greener pastures in certain spots. And I think that's what you saw with guys like Luke McCaffrey, the former quarterback who is now off to somewhere else, maybe Wandale Robinson as well, who's going to go play at Kentucky close to home. There are, there, there are a myriad of reasons why it's happening, but I know the concern level is certainly higher in Lincoln right now with the departures coming, for the most part, on the offensive side of the football. Hey, Kevin, we appreciate you checking in with us. We'll let you get ready and get on that plane and get home for a, a few days, and uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate you guys being flexible. Thanks so much. You bet. Thanks, Ke- Kevin. Kevin Kugler with us. He called the ball game last night for FS1, Fox Sports 1, and he also works games for the Big Ten Network as well. Matt Daniels is still with us talking high school sports. We've got Steve on the phone from Princeton. Let's punch Steve in. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind this morning? Hey, good morning, guys. Enjoyed the show, and I always enjoy listening to Kevin. This one's for Lauren and uh, – I was going to say, he's went into the Hall of Fame, and I congratulate him for that. But he talked a couple weeks ago about not having anything named after him in Monticello. But I see a week from today, they got a new gym. They're going to name after a guy by the name of Art Seavers. He must be quite a guy to get the name gym. Named after him before Lawrence. Yeah, he he's been working there for a long time. His dad was a very close friend of mine, a close friend of my father, Doc Severs, and and Buzz is just a terrific guy who uh, he means more to that Monticello High School than almost anybody. So it, I, I'm thrilled for him, and and um, it's it's who it should be named after. Now, where's the gym at you played in? Well, same place. I mean, right right there. I mean, I. It still exists then. Well, I don't know about that. They've still got the peach baskets up there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what exists now. I'd have to go over and see now that they got a new gym. I, I, I don't know if this replaced it. And now somebody will tell me, I'm sure, now that I admit I don't know. But, I mean, it, I, I, you know, it's been, it's been uh, 60, 70 years since I was in Monticello. It's been 70 years since I was in Monticello. Okay, 70 <laughs> and and uh, I moved out of there when I was about 19, and so that's a, that's a long time, and and I haven't followed as close as I should as far as the building. I've been I've watched games over there, but uh, I don't know where the how, where the new one is situated. I think it's on the same virtual the same land area, but maybe not the same exact place. But a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about uh, the district with Paul Judson. 
and Art told me that Monticello was too big. They never played in a district tournament. Okay, I, that makes sense to me. I don't remember. I don't remember playing in a district. He said they always started in the regional in Champaign yeah, or. That's right. We we started when I was a junior. We started in Urbana Regional, and then when I was a senior, we started at the Champaign Regional. Well, enjoy talking to you guys. Keep up the good work. Yep. yep. Thanks, Steve. We appreciate the call. Yeah. And, Matt, we lost Urbana as a junior, when I was a junior, and we lost a, a Champagne as a senior. <laughs> and yet you spent the bulk of your life in Champaign-Urbana, so you must not have held that against them. At no, all. no. No, no. <laughs> I, I, was think, I was thinking the other day, this is a pretty good place to live. Yeah, it is. I really think it is. And he's he's got a limitation on how many times he can go to Monticello in any <laughs> any calendar year. <laughs> they keep a track of him. I just go over to see my statue. <laughs> uh, true words. See if any birds have been uh, been by there. <laughs> Matt, you know we we've talked over the last several months about the predicament that everybody was in with this with this pandemic and everything mm-hmm. and how there wasn't anything to talk about and anything to cover. And then all of a sudden uh, things changed by the, not only the day, but by the minute. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot of high school news coming this week and with start dates and schedules. And it, it's not normal by any means, no. but at least for the kids, they're getting a, a, a piece of hope anyway. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's what uh, I think everyone associated with high school uh, athletics and, and it works in, in the school system is is appreciative of the fact that the, these kids who've had so much taken away from them and they've lost so many memories that all of us have kind of taken for granted that have had them in the past and, and they're getting a the chance to play. And, and yes, it's not ideal and yes, it's not perfect. And yes, it's not normal. But the fact that they're actually going to get out there and, and be able to play games. I mean, you look at high school basketball, I think a week ago, a lot of people thought it was kind of a lost cause that there was going to be either no season this winter or they're going to have to move it later in, in the calendar year, which would cause some some conflicts with other potential sports. And yes, there is overlap with, with some sports and athletes are going to have to kind of choose. But from all the coaches and administrators I've talked to in the, in the last week, they, they seem to be willing to work with all these coaches and, and to make sure that the athletes can play multiple sports and, and they don't want the athletes to, to worry about this. They just want them to enjoy uh, the fact that they're playing high school sports again. How much will the games be uh, c- conflicting with each other? Let's uh, football, basketball, mm-hmm. baseball. I mean, is are they going to? Yeah, is, in terms of, of basketball and, and football, there's going to be some overlap from the time that practices can start in football. Uh, high school football in Illinois practices can now start on March 3rd. The boys' basketball season runs until March 13th, so they're not going to miss out on any – there's not going to be conflict in any games or anything, but okay. there's going to be kind of an overlap in, in getting acclimated to – the practice part of it, um, looking ahead to the spring, uh, you know, football set to run through April 24th. Then you've got sports like baseball, uh, boys track and field uh, that start uh, April 5th. So there's going to be some potential overlap there uh, when it comes to kind of athletes choosing. And uh, then you have also the kind of predicament, too, of AAU and, and travel sports that are going on. And, and I know some coaches are kind of leery of the fact that some of these kids may choose the AAU or travel programs because they're better showcase opportunities and playing kind of an abbreviated season, especially for sports that don't have a typical postseason that are just going to end when, when the date comes. Now the spring sports like baseball, softball, track and field, there's still a hope for a potential state series, but those details haven't been ironed out yet by the HSA. Let's go back to the phones. Bob is with us in Urbana. Hey, Bob. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, I was uh, keeping a score score sheet from last night and uh, – not an oddity, but but something that uh, when I was watching the game, I said, 
what was going on score-wise, and Io and Trent were scoring most of the points in the first half, and then Grandison had six points, uh, Corbello had two, uh, Kofi Coburn had one, and uh, Georgie Pichangevili had one. In the second half, we had a balanced scoring from six different people, and I think what what was going on was our guys, the the two, Trent and Io, had to keep us in the game because it was such a balanced game. We would score, they would score. They we would score, they would score. When you do that for a half, if you get behind because other players would miss a shot, uh, it, you just can't stay in the game. And then once we got into a flow of the rhythm, they were able to balance scoring in the second half. And I thought the balance scoring the second half was the key because everybody contributed and they felt good and, and that uh, combination of factors just made made a chance for us to win. So, Good points, Bob. Thanks. Thank they, you. Now, they, if they could do that every night, you'd be on to something. Let's go back to the phones in uh, Urbana. Gary is with us. Hey, Gary. Yeah, one of the things, it doesn't affect me because I just officiate softball, but the way they're doubling up on these sports, one of my friends does, I know he does at least softball, baseball, volleyball, and I don't know what else. Uh, putting all these sports in the spring is going to cause a real a, a problem in getting enough officials to do everything, I think. I bet that's true. Yeah, no, that's a good point, Gary. And I know even before the pandemic, that was kind of a, a point of contention for the IHSA is they were dealing with kind of a shortage of officials in, in all sports. And, and, yeah, I think the these first – couple weeks couple months with you know basketball getting going again and then football is going to be kind of a blueprint for how things go but like you said the once april hits that's when it really ramps up as far as the number of sports that are going on and and the potential conflicts that that could arise and then you also add in the fact too that the weather is so unpredictable in the spring that it always causes postponements and cancellations for for baseball and softball games and, and other events as well but yeah it's a great point gary yeah well, i'd like to encourage you know, young guys to go in it. It's a great, or women especially for softball, basketball, but it's a great, fun, extra career. Um, and uh, obviously we need, I don't see a lot of young young people anymore coming into softball officiating, so mm-hmm. it's definitely something that's needed. Absolutely. Yep. By the way, I saw an interesting one. Uh, there's a player that transferred into East St. Louis that's going to play football now in the spring, I guess. And he just played for a different team in the fall, and he'll play again in the in next. So he will play three football seasons in 13, 14 months. <laughs> yeah, and that's another interesting point, too, with high school football in the state of Illinois is the fact that their season's going to wrap up in late April, and then you have to turn right around, and, and you know summer workouts will begin a couple months later, and then hopefully this season will kick off on time in, in August, late August 2021. So they've got, a, they've got a quick turnaround there. Gary, we appreciate the call. Let's go to, uh, let's stay in Urbana and, and say hello to Barb. Hello, Barb. Good morning. Hi. I just have one quick question for you guys. How come no sports anywhere mentions soccer and the length of the soccer season? Tell us about it. I mean, I have a grandson who plays soccer in St. Joe, and you hear all these starting and end dates of all these other sports, but nobody mentions soccer, girls or boys. Well, we can we can mention it right now uh, since you brought it up, but uh, high school boys soccer, uh, I believe the practices start, I want to say March 1st, and, and the season runs until I think April 17th, and then the, the girls soccer, uh, like the other spring sports that are 
now considered summer sports by the IHSA and their revised calendar. But girls soccer, I believe, starts uh, April 5th with practices and goes through June 19th. And there's a potential for a state series in girls soccer, but the IHSA is excited that there's there's no state series for, for boys soccer. So that's kind of the, the predicament they're in. Okay, well, it's just like you keep talking about overlaps between football and basketball, but nobody mentions overlaps with kids that play soccer or even soccer, period. I've never heard it on any newscast anywhere down here. Well, we just you just got it in. <laughs> now okay, we know. Well, I want everybody to start mentioning it when they mention the sports because they're important, too. <laughs> Let's just be happy that high school sports are back. Absolutely. Thank well, you, Barb. Have a great day. Yep, appreciate it. Eric in Champaign is with us. Hey, Eric, good morning. Hey, morning, guys. I just, you know, I was thinking, you know, when I talked about high school football, I'm um, thinking of, like, Centennial. I mean, uh, I, I think you need to have enough kids to field the team because, you know, the interest, <laughs> I mean, they were pretty bad to begin with, but when you start throwing all these kind of weird timelines and all this in and the fact that they're not even in school, mm-hmm. you know, in person, I just wonder about how many schools are actually going to field teams. It's not like Good you're not going to have a full schedule. What do you yeah. think, Matt? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Centennial's had some some rough seasons here in the in the recent past. Obviously, they got a great, strong, rich uh, history of, of success in the past. But last in the 2019 season, the Chargers went went 0 and 9 under uh, first year coach Kyle Jackson. But he's he's a guy that knows the area scene really well. He's been around as an assistant coach at, at uh, various high schools here in the areas, and I think he can get the Centennial back kind of to to where they were uh, in the past. But yeah, that's a great question. In, in terms of athletes, are going to have to to make some decisions, whether it's soccer, or football, or track and field, softball, things like that, and and it's going to be interesting too, just be based on, especially sports like football and, and wrestling, and even basketball, which was considered a medium risk sport by the IPDH, and then it was moved to a higher risk back in November. But football and, and wrestling have always been considered higher risk, and you just have to wonder too how that's going to affect some parents' decisions whether they want their kids to play the sport at all, just because of the, the pandemic still going on. So, yeah, roster sizes are going to be interesting to to see what uh, what transpires. Well, how many sports are going to be played with masks on? Yeah, as far as I know right now, and again, just based on on basketball and, and boys swimming here in our area, those are the only sports that are going to be going on right now and, until March 13th. And swimming, you don't have to wear a mask while you're, you're swimming. That would be obviously be a, a huge health uh, consideration. But basketball, and uh, as far as I know, every sport, you're going to have to wear a mask, uh, whether it's volleyball or soccer or track. And f- again, I'm not too sure about like the – I don't think, and again, there's been so much literature and so many changes to this, but I think for like outside sports like baseball and softball, I don't know if the players will have to wear that. Obviously, we'll see that play out in a couple months, but all the coaches, various personnel that will be at the games working it, uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to have to wear a mask. Squeeze in one more call before we let Matt Daniels get back to work on the other side of the building. Steve calling from Fishers, Indiana. Yeah, I've got a line eye football question i was wondering is there any articles written about which players have left and which players are coming to illinois to kind of summarize that well in, in friday's news gazette we had a 10-page special section uh devoted to, to brett bielema and uh in that we had a roster breakdown of, of all the players that we know that have publicly declared that they're they're coming back, whether they're on the team last year, and then we also had the the new additions that they've they've added. Whether it was the the fourteen high school players that signed and that that really kind of 
transition week, probably the time Lovey Smith got fired, the time Brett Bielema got hired, and then the transfers that that Brett Bielema and his staff have have picked up. So, uh, so basically, Bielema's kept all the players that signed with Lovey, mm-hmm. plus he's added uh, a number of player transfers and and high school players of his own. Yeah, he, he's added a handful of uh, Division one transfers. And are, kept a whole bunch of seniors. Exactly. The, the ones that they, they ended up, uh, they've lost, are the Matator Bebe brothers, uh, Josh and Daniel. Josh declared for the NFL draft before Brett Bielen was hired. Daniel announced he was entering the portal. He ended up at, at Kansas State for his seventh season of college football. And then <laughs> uh, Jake Hansen, Milo, Milo, Milo Eifler, and uh, Nate Hobbs have all declared for the draft since uh, since Bielen was hired, along with Kendrick Green as, as well. So, uh, everything, everyone else though, and in, in, it looks like Corey Patterson too, and convincing Owen Carney to stay after he announced he was entering the transfer portal, and then kind of just changed his mind a few weeks later, and now Illinois got the the team's best pass rusher back for the twenty twenty one season. So they've only lost three in the transfer portal. Portal. Uh, that's. Uh, uh, see, lost. Uh, see, no, Hobbs and Green. Hobbs and Green both and, declared for the draft. Josh. Josh and oh, oh. Bebe declared for the draft. And Eifler, too. So four I, of them declared for the draft. And, and though, and in a typical year, I, I don't know if that would have – obviously that wouldn't have happened, but I think because they had the extra year of eligibility, that's why they made their decisions that they were declaring for the draft. And in, in a normal year, you just would have said, okay, their eligibility is up. They're going to go mm-hmm. pursue whatever football aspirations they want. And then how many commits do they have for the spring signing? 16. 16 right now. They, they, had, they signed 14 back in the early signing period in, in mid-December, and they've added two high school commits in, in the last three weeks or so. Um, a linebacker, uh, Dwayne Johnson, and then uh, a running back, Josh mm-hmm. McCray, out of, mm-hmm. out of Alabama. And they picked up a handful of FBS transfers, about five they, or six, I want to say. And they got a walk-on, so they had Altaus, a walk-on. Mm-hmm. Added a, a, a tight end preferred walk-on. walk-on uh, but, you know, this whole so thing, look, look, this is all going to change in spring. They're going to have 15 days of spring practice, and then you'll have another rush of, of uh, portal players all over the country, and it's all over 2,000. For you to try to put this team together right now, it's just it won't make sense until the spring is over and you've had the practice and the guys that want to stay will stay and the guys that want to leave will leave. Hey, Matt, good stuff. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate, Appreciate you coming in. No good problem. job on that uh, football section by the way it was led by our hall of famer Uh gotta have a hall of famer (laughs) at the point thanks guys 10 30 wdws champagne urbana we'll take a break come back we're going to talk things over with former illini sharpshooter Corey bradford here on dws back after this it is moving up on 10 33 here at dws champagne urbana with lauren tate i'm steve kelly this is illini fella saturday sports talk Normally with you until 11 o'clock. We're here until 10.45 today because of Illinois volleyball. The Illini taking on the number one ranked Wisconsin Badgers over at uh, Huff Hall. We'll have the uh, play-by-play with Tim Dittman on that. Talked a lot of uh, Illinois basketball and football on the show so far this morning, and rightly so after that uh, Illini win last night over Iowa. 80-75 to was the final at the State Farm Center. Speaking of Illinois basketball, one of the uh, – one of my favorite guys to play uh, for the Orange and Blue over the years, Corey Bradford, is on the line with us from Florida. Good morning, Corey. Thanks for taking time to visit with us. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing, man? Appreciate you having me on. Did you get a chance to see the game last night? 
Uh, yes, I did. My 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 newborn actually allowed me to watch the Georgia <laughs> game. So it was pretty exciting. I, I wasn't sure if I was watching a Big Ten game or an ACC or SEC game because it was definitely an up and down game last night. It was, and if you watch enough Big Ten basketball this year, you'll see all those kind of styles. Really, there's no. Uh, right. I don't think you can right. identify Big Ten like you used to. Um, exactly. I mean, watching the game last night, I mean, it was numerous times where we saw guard play where we just uh, uh, Ao and um, and Trent, those guys was getting to the bucket without even getting touched a couple times. I'm like, for sure, on this second layup, I was expecting a clothesline or a WWF <laughs> move on somebody at some point because I know back in the day that you know, after that second layup, somebody would have got touched for sure. <laughs> Corey Bradford is still number six on the Illinois career scoring list behind Deion Thomas, Kawan Garris, Malcolm Hill, D. Brown, and Brian Cook. Played 135 games for the Orange and Blue. Held that NCAA record for a lot of years, 20 years roughly, uh, before uh, Max Smith from Eastern Illinois broke it. And then Mac had his streak snapped at uh, 91 games, uh, three games after uh, after he broke yours. And I know that you paid attention to that as he got close, didn't you? Uh, I did, I did. I, I was... Uh fortunate enough to uh, be informed by Tom Michael, as we all know, that played in Illinois back in the day, and he kept me informed about Mac, and and, um, and, and I pretty much just kind of watched from afar and cheered on from afar, and uh, you know, like I said, I was fortunate enough to have that record for 20 years, which is a, a pretty long time, and um, and Mac stepped up, and, and he beat it and, and exceeded a handful of games, and um, I'm extremely happy for him, because I know how difficult it was to, to do so, especially with how things are going now, and I kind of feel bad for him in a way just because he didn't get that um, that, that good praise, that, that good pat on the back, you know, that's well-deserved from for breaking that record like I did, of course. And um, But it, it, I'm happy for him. It was It's a pretty cool, cool record to have, and, um, and I'm glad that he was able to break it, and I was fortunate enough to have it as long as I did. Well, Corey, this is Lauren. Uh, you played on some championship teams under Bill Self, and you mm-hmm. also played – in the latter years of uh, Lon Kruger. And, and tell me right. if my memory is right on this. We're playing Ohio State in, in the tournament in Chicago. And okay. we're it's the final seconds. And you have – am I wrong? You didn't have a – was that the game that you didn't have a three yet? It was – Was that it Ohio – to be um, – no. That was um, Indiana. Indiana was the – was the game okay? Indiana that I, that was I the game. Correctly, yeah, Indiana. That was my sophomore year. Okay, um, that Indiana, explains it. The, that yeah, that corner shot was that's the actual, right. That that extended the streak. That was that that score was sixty right. nine all. In the, it was in the tournament, and uh, we're it's the very end of the game, and I remember that uh, right. McLean threw the ball in, and they gave it right back to him, right. and he made a move to the hoop, and the guy guarding you on that on that corner. Uh, Moved, moved, moved over, and left you a little room to shoot that three, and you won the game and kept your streak going. Right, it was a textbook, um, you know, exercise that we normally do every day in um, in practice, where a guy drives baseline, opposite corner guy has to slide down to the corner to uh, to be a receiver, to be a bailout pass, to say. And um, Indiana player cheated to help on surge, which made a, a very aggressive uh, penetration, and just. Stepped up and knocked it down, and what better pleasure beating the Hoosiers that way, right? Absolutely. I always like to beat the Hoosiers. We've got those guys Tuesday coming up, by the way, and that'll be another tough one. Right, right, right. Definitely, definitely. Do, do you remember any other shots that were crucial to keeping the, the thing going late in the game? 
Um, well, obviously the to to tie the record was a was a nail biter for a lot of people. We played against Seton Hall. Right. Was, uh, Didn't that game go? Time. That game went to overtime, and I'm not so sure right. you, you had you had a three pointer yet when it went to overtime. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Um, first play of the overtimes, out of bounds play, and um, slipped the screen and stepped up and knocked it down. And um, I mean, I mean, you guys, you guys follow my whole career. You know how difficult it was every night. You know, playing at a Big Ten and playing non-conference to try to get that three because every team we played against, their focus was, look, man, we're not going to let you get this three. You know, what I mean, and it was obvious. And um, and I think that's what made it. Um, even more special for myself, and and um, and, and again, I, I I love the journey. I, I appreciate all support and the trust of my teammates and stuff because obviously that wouldn't be possible without them. What Speak- was it like playing with those three guys from Peoria, McLean, uh, Williams, and Griffin? <laughs> uh, and you were thirteen and three in the Big Ten that year in two thousand one. Won the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean we had a we had a monster squad, you know, and and you, you can't go wrong with those Peoria guys because we all know the the tradition with those three. And their winners and uh, that mindset they had just pretty much just gelled everyone together and you know of course we had so many characters so many personalities on that team and um, had a had a great group of guys and we and we understood you know what I mean because we not only represented ourselves we represented so many people uh, before us that paved the way and, and we represented those fans because they expected a lot out of us and and we expect a lot of uh, out of ourselves. Talking to Corey Bradford, uh, number thirteen, former Illini basketball player. Speaking of journeys, France, Hungary, Venezuela, Colombia, mm-hmm. Mexico, Qatar, Lebanon, Jordan, Bosnia. Did I forget somebody there? Is this someplace? <laughs> China. It's a handful of places. China. <laughs> we can go on and on. It's been a number of places. And, again, guys, I was just truly blessed to play an 18-year career and um, I, I, it's just, I'm so humbled by it and, and grateful to have a health-free career. And, um, and, you know, it shows a lot because I always tell people, a lot of young guys I play with and against, and they said, you know, OG, how do you do it? And I'm just like, man, I'm just, I was just lucky because I, I was always surrounded by good people. Um, I was lucky enough to play, play with two, um, two, two great coaches as we both know in the staff and, um, and, Again, things I've learned throughout my career on and off the court um, just carried on to my professional career, and I, and I owe a lot to the University of Illinois. I owe 100% of it to it. Can you, can you speak a, a little bit of a lot of languages? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it was difficult. Like, it's, it's, it's at times where, you know, I, play in, uh, I played in Colombia and Venezuela, so, you know, a lot of Spanish and stuff. So I get to a, a, a point where I understand it more than I can speak it. And then once I leave there, I go over to the Gulf, and then now I'm hearing Arabic every single day, Arabic or English. Um, so, uh, you know, it was kind of difficult to pick up certain things. But, you know, you learn phrases and things like that, and obviously, you know, you pick up on things where you can order food and stuff like that. So um, so I, I've, had my, I've had my taste of different cultures, and I'm grateful, grateful um, that I've, I've created so many bonds and so many um, – great relationships uh, throughout these years and stuff. And funny story is that when I played in Bosnia, my boss, my boss was actually Demir Krupalya. Is that right? That was my boss. Really? <laughs> That's how I ended up there. It was, it was funny how that, that worked out because um, I was in Costa Rica playing at the time, and this was during a time when Coach Self uh, was inducted to the Hall of Fame. 
And um, and I reached out to Demir and said, man, looking forward to me. He said, well, Seabass, I'm, I'm in charge of the team. I won't be able to make it. I might need your help. And I said, okay. I'm thinking maybe he's going to ask me about some players. He was like, no, I need you. <laughs> so that's how it actually ended up helping. And, um, and, and it was a great experience. I enjoyed it and um, had a probably one of the most challenging seasons of my career because we played like a total of 80 games, like wow. 80 plus games because we, because we played in three different leagues, you know, playing in FIBA Cup and Adriatic League, and we played locally in Bosnia, of course. Um, and again, those three different leagues, those games add up. So, but it, it, but it was great. It was a great experience. I loved it. You know, outside of the snow, it was, it was amazing. I, I love Bosnia. Beautiful culture. Corey, we're a little tight on time. We love chatting with you. We'll do it again and get your take on Illinois basketball as the season goes ahead, if you don't mind. But uh, mm-hmm. thanks for checking in with us, and uh, good to hear from you. Appreciate it. Thanks, hey, congratulations to you, too, uh, Mr. Tate, on making it uh, thanks, the Corey. Hall of Fame as well, man. That's, that's outstanding, man. I know it's one of many honors that you've got, man. Uh, it's and again, lifetime you know, achievement. <laughs> if you live long enough, good <laughs> things happen, Corey. Absolutely. Well, Man, I mean, you, you've been covering basketball, especially a lot of basketball, for so many years, man. We all appreciate you and everything you've um, and you've done and stuff, man. So definitely well deserved, my friend. Thanks, Corey. good stuff. Thanks, Corey. We appreciate it. Corey Bradford with us. One final note before we step aside for Illinois volleyball. I was saddened to hear this week if there was a Hall of Fame for joke tellers, Tom Gurr would be. Oh in. man. <laughs> He had a new one, and he never told the same one twice. He passed away at the age of what 92. What a great guy. If you spent any time down at the University of Illinois golf course, Savoy National, he uh, worked as a starter in recent years down there, and what a great guy. He'd come up to you, tell you a joke, and just drive off. I know. it. He was <laughs> terrific. What a guy. That's going to do it. Uh, thanks, Mr. Tate. Thanks to all of our guests. Illinois Volleyball is coming up next here on WDWS in Champaign-Urbana. This is Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend.